0: From the Duck, Duck Go for Privacy Studio. This is News Talk A3O. The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk A3O and Odyssey, Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain, but not all, investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL, Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a Registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group, helping you to
1: plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good morning. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Today, they are going to discuss this is serious, folks the weapons you want in your arsenal as you build your retirement plan. You can text us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226, and then, of course, all week. Ask your questions of Peg and Bruce on this phone line, 888-6-ADVICE, or email money at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good
2: morning, Bruce and Peg. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Peg. Hi, Rashini. Uh, good to be with you, ladies. Um, Peg, it's the darndest thing. We rarely see each other in person. And then even <laughs> when we are in the same place at the same time, we barely get a chance to speak to each other.
3: I know, but it was a fabulous evening. Um, I just have to share with everybody, I went to the Chan Chanhassen Theater in the concert series. And lo and behold, Bruce Helmer's wife, Pamela McNeil, is unbelievable singer I mean so we had such a great time I took my whole team to the uh, concert and that in itself was a milestone we haven't been together for probably a year and a half so it was a great night
2: well I'm certainly glad glad you had fun and thanks for your support and thanks for your kind words for Pamela hey um Rashini gave us a great lead-in and and we're kind of calling this a financial toolkit. And and some of the things that we're going to talk about, we've talked about on the show before, and we will again. But some of these things, I don't think we can talk about too often because they're so important and they need to be emphasized. And when I see what's going on around me in the world and I hear the questions that people have, I know that our message uh, has not totally been, uh accepted yet or realized or understood. So I don't think we can talk about these things too frequently.
3: Well, in and just to remind listeners, we're talking about a huge milestone, retirement. I mean, you think all your working life about this day, and I I I have the picture myself, like I'm gonna walk out of the building and just like I did it. This is great. You know, it's time. It's time for me. And I don't know when that's going to be. So all you listeners out there, you know, don't read into this. But I think I've thought about it since the day I had my first job as I've watched people retire. So this is a big deal. And so when you think about what do you need to know or what do you have to have in order to be able to celebrate when you walk out the door and not be this nervous Nellie? Well, I'm going to go right to this one, Bruce. You need help. Most people need help. They need a seasoned advisor. And yeah, I I know that's what I do. And Bruce, I know that's what you do. And maybe we are biased that we do uh, give a lot of help during this uh, tough time. But here's what a seasoned advisor can do. I mean, a lot of times... People don't invest in their retirement. Now, it might be too late because if you're walking out the door and you have just first thinking about it, that might be a little late, but maybe not. Because you're retiring probably in your 60s um, on average, and you still have decades of time before you're actually going to retire. So, you know, a lot of times, so I said, people uh, don't invest in their retirement because it seems so overwhelming and complicated, and I would agree, you know, to some extent. Because what we do to get people ready, there's a lot of things like talking through your retirement goals and identifying the best strategies of investing, and most importantly, creating a paycheck for the rest of your life. Yeah, you know,
2: um, I'm glad you started with like talking about advisors. Sometimes that's the last thing we talk about. And then if we want to get listeners involved or we run out of time, we don't really emphasize that. But to anyone out there that's cynical and saying, well, Bruce and Peg think you should get an advisor because they're advisors. It's a chicken and egg thing. Or are, 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 do we believe people should have advisors because we are advisors? Or did we become advisors in the first place? Because we both have, part, have as part of our DNA uh, the, the desire to do meaningful work and help people. And we saw what advisors can do. And that's why we made it a career choice or don't take our word for it. Do some due diligence so that there's any number of things that you can Google and any number of resources that have, that have studied the issue and, and really come to the conclusion that in, in broad capacity, people that use an advisor are more successful financially than those that don't. And, uh, you Don't take our word for it. Do your own research. Peg, a couple of other things I thought of in terms of an advisor. It's It's like I think you and I both use a personal trainer, and it's not that I couldn't work out on my own or that I don't sometimes work out on my own, but that accountability to have an appointment on the calendar to go meet with that trainer and to have them push me harder than I probably would push myself if I'm working out alone, that is a better workout. It makes it makes a difference. And the same is true in finance. And there's specific you know, have you ever had someone say, you know, I'd love to come and see you, Peg, but I don't have any money to invest. And to me, that person then is almost crying out for help because why don't you have any money to invest? There must be some reason. So if a financial advisor can come in and find inefficiencies in your world and help you reduce your taxes or reduce your insurance costs or reduce reduce the cost of your debt service, help you refinance or restructure debt, that found money that was going to taxes or insurance costs or debt now is given back to you and you can invest it. And no matter where you invest it, it's better than not investing at all like you were doing before. So there's just an infinite number of ways that I think advisors add value, and I think that is the single most important for most people having the success uh, and the the happy retirement that they want or not having it.
3: I do too. And I think, you know, people feel like they're going to be judged and um, proud of wealth enhancement group that uh, we have always been very approachable, very approachable. We just, we love to just sit down with people and, and try to help them. And then if, um, if we do connect then maybe you uh, consider hiring us. So here's some other things, Bruce, that um, we have in our arsenal. Tax-deferred accounts. So over and over and over again, uh, people tend to gravitate towards uh, not paying any tax on their savings, which um, I don't blame them because through your employer, they allow you to check a box. Would you like your money to be invested through the work plan and defer taxes, you know, for the long term? And that's kind of a no brainer in that, Hey, it immediately reduces my taxation. That's a good thing, right? I don't have to pay Uncle Sam as much each and every year. But then down the road, there is something called over investing in your 401k. And to me, Bruce, I've said this on the radio many times. It over exaggerates people's net worth in the long term and let me just give you a quick example i had a um put a person per- perspective client come in um, a couple weeks ago and yes they did come in and um, i talked to her and one of the things that she did was she just aggressively through her employer put all the money she could in her uh, 401k And now she's looking at $2 million. I mean, she's worked her entire life at the same company and contributed all that she could. And now it has a big IOU to the IRS. So the first thing I did was explain to her what her real net worth is, which is daunting, and she didn't like that. But it allowed us then to go to the next step of creating a budget and a projection and how long is her money going to last taking taxes into consideration. So I like the tool, Bruce. I just don't like it overused.
2: Yeah, we talk a lot on the show about, uh, you know, the having, it's part of our your money matrix. You should, you should have short-term, mid-term, and long-term money, and that's different investment strategies or different levels of risk. But you should also have all three types of tax category, money that's fully and immediately taxable, money that's tax-deferred, and money that's maybe tax-advantaged and avoids taxes completely. And you're right, Peg, I see the same thing you do. The majority of people that I meet when I first meet them, the overwhelming majority of their money is in that tax-deferred category, which, again, we're not against doing that. There's a lot of advantages to those plans. We just think that 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 is not the only thing that they should be doing, or or it should be evened out more. Instead of 90% there, you know, you shoot for 30, 30, 40, or something like that.
3: Yeah, and if there's any young people listening, or if there's um, parents or grandparents listening, um, I would encourage the young people to take advantage of the uh, after-tax Roth, contribution, they don't get an immediate deduction today, but through your employer. Can you imagine, Bruce, if we got to start in our 20s and putting our work contributions in a Roth IRA that grows tax-free? That would be amazing. So what happens is, is a lot of people wait until they have a bunch of extra cash flow, and that means you're probably in your 40s or your 50s. Now you're in a higher tax bracket, and you wouldn't even consider choosing that box, on your employer form of doing after-tax money versus, um, you know, uh, pre-tax money. So just wanted to give a shout-out to get people t- motivated to do that earlier um, in their life. The next one is uh, the tool is your emergency savings. This one is boring. This one is no fun at all because <laughs> you have to take money from your paycheck and, and put it in an account and pretend it's actually not even there. And the way that I did it in my um uh saving life is I really literally had to uh set up a bank account that was completely separate from my regular checking account. Because if I saw dollars in my checking account, and we haven't talked about this for a while, Bruce, but you know, I love to shop. And now with online, it's it's really fun. And so if I if I have this money and it's my emergency savings and it would happen to be in my checking account, I would feel that I've got more money to shop with than I really do. So I encourage my clients and people listening to keep that money separate and almost kind of hide it from yourself.
2: Yeah, and I think that's good advice because you're right. When money gets commingled like that, um, we all have what I call the propensity to, to consume. Some people have it worse than others but it's likely that that emergency savings then is isn't going to be there if you really have an emergency and peg people ask me all the time how big that emergency savings account should be and i think we kind of give a standard answer of at least six months living expenses not you know wages but what's your monthly nut to crack your your rent or your mortgage and your car payment and how much do you spend on food and just to live life. We we recommend at least six months living expenses, but I think that number should get bigger as you get older and as you get closer to retirement, because then to me, it's not only emergency savings, but it's safe money so that if the stock market retracts, you never have to sell stocks when the market is down. You've got cash that you can use. And as your time horizon gets shorter or as you get older, that becomes more important. And I know there's some people listening right now saying, yeah, but if I put it in the bank, it's earning almost zero. And I get that, and that's true. But but you still, uh, on your safe money or on your rainy day or emergency money, you're more concerned about the availability of that money than you are the growth or the gains or the earnings on it. You've got other dollars elsewhere that are hopefully earning you a much higher rate of return that you can afford to have some that's not earning a great rate of return, that's completely uh, safe.
3: Okay, Bruce, you said something that's absolutely driving me crazy with clients right now. And that is, they're like, we're not earning anything on our safe money. You know, our bonds and our our cash, they're all looking for somewhere to put that money that they would earn more. But by the way, we don't want to take any risk. But then their stock market money is double-digit returns and I encourage them that they have to look at their blended because one of the reasons that your stocks are doing so well is because interest rates are so low and they're so low that people are out there borrowing and spending and our economy is moving and shaking because of that low interest rate. So I had to give a shout out a little bit here because I hear it every single day on the reviews. How do I make more money on my safe money? Well, one of the reasons it is so low is because interest rates are low, which are fueling your other side. And that's what we call a balanced account, right? Stocks and bonds and cash. So you need to have some of them, but you can't be complaining if just one of them is doing poorly because the blended is doing really well. So I got
2: that hey, out there. Hey, that's that's great advice, Peg. I know we've got other things in our outline that we may or may not get to today, but Rashidi's saying we got a bunch of good texts. Murschini, maybe we start uh, taking listeners questions this half of the show.
1: All right, let's uh, get at it here. This listener says I carry insurance for my whole family, 55 year old wife, two 20 year old sons and a 23 year old. I'm 68 and would like to retire. Suggestions.
2: Wow, Peg, you think that the text is talking health insurance or life insurance and, or what do you think how did you hear that question?
3: Well, it was it was rather fast. Um, so we got a 55 year old. I think we must have twins. We've got young, um, and this is happening more and more. Young children and uh, fathers and mothers of retirement age. And so when you're thinking about insurance, I would think more health and um, more health care insurance because uh, that's very costly still for these you know uh, teenagers or are or, 20 or something year old. So. I would say that there's a lot of help out there to seek and learn about different health plans. Um, and and I encourage people to go to an independent person that can help them versus just captive with one insurance company.
2: Yeah. And uh, I think part of why it's so tricky is, is you know, the age difference, right? You got, you got young kids in their twenties or whatever, and you're in your sixties and um, you, you, are eligible for Medicare and they're not and yeah that I, I i get why that can be a confusing complicated thing but i i uh, i agree with peg you want uh, complete independence and you want to have as many options as possible
1: all right let's go to the next one this person has 350,000 to invest they want to do so conservatively they're 78 years old where should they invest
2: peg
3: well, I still think 78, believe it or not, is young. And we're, we're projecting people to live on our financial forecasts, uh, these days to age 100. So I would still take this balanced approach depending on, and my balanced approach is stocks, bonds, um, and cash. And the reason I say that is because it could be that you may utilize some of that money in the short term but you may already have a desire to leave a legacy if something were to happen to you. So a percentage in SAFE, and I know that's not um, paying that much these days, but also I've been encouraging Bruce dollar cost averaging uh, into the stock market. So um, taking a lump sum and then possibly putting some in over the next six to 12 months, I feel like if there is going to be a correction, it may happen in the next six to twelve months, and maybe you'll catch some of that volatility uh, and and get some shares at a lower price versus going all in today.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, a that's a great strategy, but also it you know it, and this happens a lot on a radio show. It's a very fair question. It's a good question, but it's hard to answer without knowing. What else is going on beyond that $350,000, right? But I like what you said, Peg, you still diversify, you still have, you know, totally safe money with no risk of principle, you have some growth and you have some that's kind of of moderate risk, even at age 78, you're right, they might be here a long time. And I think the mistake a lot of people make at retirement is they get too conservative too fast. They say, well, I'm 78, I can't take risk anymore. But if all of your money's in something safe, now the risk is that the rate of return is so low that you blow through all your money and and you run out of money before you die. So I understand the desire to have less risk, but um, you also need to get enough return so that you don't run out of money. And in addition to what Peg said, there are strategies available that if you say, look, I, I, I know I need a higher rate of return than just having all my money in cash but I'm 78 and I'm afraid of the stock market. There are ways of participating in the market and mitigating a lot of the downside risk. Um, now, some of these strategies might also have some disadvantages. There may be some extra cost to get that safety, or there may be some reduction of your liquidity, but there are ways of having market exposure and getting those growth types of, re- of returns that you want to make sure that you don't run out of money and you can uh, almost eliminate the risk for, for a
1: trade-off, or a cost. All right. Well, let us remind people of the number for the text. We have many really cool texts coming in, really great details I'm seeing from listeners. Peg and Bruce are here on Your Money to answer your questions for the next half hour. So give us a text at 651-989-9226. And, Peg and Bruce, we just have about uh, 20 seconds here before we have to say goodbye for... Th- for this break, until the break, um, really good information that you're giving out there, and uh, I think it's interesting that you kind of chose the term of your arsenal and all these things that you're advising are for people's arsenals, which is really, which is really great.
2: Yeah, we uh, we refer to it that, that way, or financial toolkit, or you know, just things, uh, tools, strategies that uh, that people can use to hopefully have the successful retirement that they want.
1: Excellent. And both Peg and Bruce always give fabulous advice every Sunday right here on Your Money. You can check with them during the week by emailing Your Money at Wealth But for the next half hour, you can text your questions and they will answer them live right here on WCCO Radio. So give us a text at 651 989. 9226. And as you know, we're talking about retirement. What about those tax deferred accounts, your emergency savings, HSAs, and a whole lot more. So send us your questions right now.
0: This program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain, but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL, Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group, helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money.
1: We are back on Your Money, and today, Bruce and Peg are answering your questions, of course, about retirement, but how to have that great toolkit, things in your arsenal to stay ahead of the curve. Bruce and Peg, do you want to give us a recap?
2: Yeah, thanks, for seeing me. So, Peg, in the first half of the show... Um, we talked about, uh, the, the value of a seasoned experience, a good advisor and what they can bring to the table for you. We talked about using tax deferred accounts, but not over using tax deferred accounts. We talked about the importance of a rainy day fund or emergency savings. And the one thing that we, that we didn't get to, but Rashini mentioned it right as we went out of the first, uh, half, and we should probably, uh, elaborate on this a little bit. HSAs, or health savings accounts, and what an efficient, effective tool that that would be for a lot of people. Yeah,
3: I was surprised, Bruce, that those were actually created in 2003, as much as it sounds like it was just developed uh, yesterday, but they're actually a savings account that if you have a high deductible medical plan, you can actually put dollars into this health savings account. And it's usually through your employer, so that's another box that you can check. And it just says, would you like to put some dollars into this plan, and if you do, that income will not show up on your tax return. And actually, if you choose to invest it in the stock market or the bond market, those those earnings will grow tax-free if, when you take withdrawals, that you use these proceeds for a medical expense. And so we love this, we love this. Bruce, you usually call it a super Roth, super Roth, because you get the deduction up front, gross tax-free, and then if you use it uh, for medical expenses, you get to pull it out tax-free. So we don't get a lot of those uh, things from the government that uh, have the word tax-free in it. So now there is limitations. Uh, 3600 for a single person per year, 7200 for a, a couple. And if you're over 55, you actually get to put in, a, it's kind of, a, kind of a baby boomer thing, you get to put in an extra $1,000. So we really encourage our clients to utilize health savings accounts if they have them available.
2: Yeah, Peg, and I don't want to duplicate everything you just said, but I do really want to emphasize this. Because I think it's so important. A lot of times people will have a debate or even ask me the question, are they better off with a traditional IRA where they get a tax deduction up front and tax deferral, but then they have to pay the taxes when they spend the money? Or are they better off with a Roth IRA where they don't get a deduction, but under the right circumstances, if they hold it long enough, they don't have to pay the taxes on the gain? Well, what if you had a tool that did both, that gave you a deduction up front? And if the withdrawals are used for qualifying uh healthcare expenses, then it's tax-free when you take the distributions. And that's what an HSA does. It's like a a supercharged IRA. It gives you both a deduction and the potential for tax-free withdrawals. It's so powerful. And in my experience, so many people that are actually eligible for them either are not participating at all, are not participating to the extent that they could, and I think that they should be. So that's really a big one. And the other thing, Peg, that we should mention really quickly that makes this so consumer or user-friendly, if you you end up paying for things out of pocket and not using your HSA, if it's the small stuff, this doctor visit or that doctor visit, and you don't want to use the HSA, you don't want to take withdrawals, but you keep track of all that stuff because you're going to save your HSA for your hip replacement surgery or knee replacement surgery, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, you're going to use it for the big ticket stuff. Well, if you end up never needing it for that big ticket stuff, all those things that you paid out of pocket over the years, if you kept track of that and you can verify it, you can still go back and and reimburse yourself with a withdrawal, a tax-free withdrawal from the HSA. So this is just a very, very powerful tool for people that are eligible for it again You have to be on a high deductible health insurance plan, and a lot of people should not be on a high deductible insurance plan. But if it's, if a high deductible plan is a good fit for you, and you're eligible for this health savings account, you really should be uh, participating in them. They're just very, very efficient and effective. All right, Rashini, should we go back to listeners?
1: Yes, let's go back to those text lines, Bruce, and to remind people, you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce. Text us, 651-989-9226. This person says, hello, my name is James. I'm 71, retired, just received 50000 in inheritance that is non-taxable. Should I be considering converting IRAs to Roth and paying the tax with that money?
2: Oh, what a great question, James. Thank you. And uh, congratulations on your retirement, and I'm sorry that you probably lost a loved one to get that inheritance. But, uh, Egg, what do you think? 50000 of non-taxable cash that James inherited, and he's thinking of converting traditional IRAs to Roth IRAs.
3: Yeah, so uh, what James is considering is, we talked a little bit earlier in the show about overfunding your deferral. And if you have a lot of IRAs where you still have a big IOU to the IRS, if you take some of those dollars, let's say 50,000, just as, since we're talking about 50,000 and you would like to do a conversion and have those um, taxable IRA dollars grow tax free, you could convert the, that 50,000 uh, to a Roth and then that 50,000 would be taxable in the year that you do it. Well, you can choose to then pay the tax out of savings, which James is saying he just got, or you can actually do the withholding from your conversion, which I'm not a big fan of because you'd want to try to convert as many dollars to a Roth as you can. What would be the positives of doing that? You know, one of the ugly things is is that you have to pay Uncle Sam right now to get that done. But a positive thing is, is it gets that money out of your IRA so that it won't be included in your RMD, your required minimum distribution, when James turns 72. And that's a big deal too. You're not then forced to take out money on that $50,000 because of your age. Secondly, a 71-year-old is still very, very young. And you've got decades of time to grow that Roth if you choose to. Um, and if you do already have existing Roths, you can uh, have that Roth money go into your existing Roths as well. So there's a lot of positives to it. I want to just say one more thing, Bruce, before I hand it back to you. Um, ideally, uh, I like to do Roth conversions when the market is down. And why would you say that when the market is down? Well, if you're taking dollars from your IRA and it's in a taxable account and you are doing a conversion to a tax free account, wouldn't it be nice if the market was, you know, maybe down 10 or 20 percent, then do the conversion and then invest in the Roth when the market's down. And then when the market recovers, because 100 percent of the time it has historically, uh, that that growth would come back then in a tax-free form versus taxable. So that's just a consideration that we give as well. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't do your conversion. What you could do is you could take your conversion, 50000 put it into the Roth, and then do this dollar cost averaging that I was talking about earlier in the show and invest it in the Roth then from maybe a money market over the next 12 months.
2: Peg, that is such, such such a great answer as a financial advisor. Every single word you said, I'm sitting here nodding, going, this is just perfect answer. The only thing I would add, or the only thing I thought of is, and and I think sometimes people look at you and I and say, you want to ruin my fun. You think I should save and invest all my money, and what if I want to have fun? What if I want to go to a nice restaurant and have a nice dinner or take a trip or treat my family? So the other thing I would say to James is, again, not knowing your overall situation, everything Peg said is spot on. Your question is a really smart question. But if you want to take some of that inheritance and just have fun with it, we don't object. Peg and I like to have fun also, and we like our clients to have fun. It's not an either or. It's not like I can have fun today, but then I won't have a good retirement, or I'll have a good retirement, but I have to sacrifice everything until then. I think if you plan properly, you can have both. You can have fun along the way and still have a great retirement.
1: Bruce, here's a fun question. This listener says, Herd Wealth Enhancement Group is going public. How can I obtain IPO information?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an interesting question, um, but that's uh, probably a rumor that isn't true. Wealth Enhancement Group, uh, to my knowledge, Peg, unless you know something that I don't, uh, has no short-term plans to go public.
3: Yeah, that is that is inaccurate, which it, it doesn't surprise me, though, that, um, that that might come up. Wealth Enhancement Group is growing, and it is growing by acquiring uh, terrific high-quality uh, practices nationally from West Coast to the East Coast. And one of the reasons we're doing that is we're enhancing our team we're enhancing our roundtable, you know, our investment management, our tax planning, our estate planning, and all the um, disciplines of planning uh, departments. And and I, I'm seeing uh, a lot of great things happen there. Going public just means that you're going to take a private company, which we are, and we're going to make it public and then offer shares of Wealth Enhancement Group to the public and i can tell you right now that there's nothing in the works uh to do that
2: yeah but uh, number one it's uh it, it's flattering that the person that wrote the text would be interested in investing yeah uh, in us and uh and i would also say if we ever do go public we probably would not be a bad investment based on the growth and success that we've been blessed uh, to enjoy up to this point but yeah that that, that rumor um, and I and there's reasons why I know that rumor is out there, and I won't elaborate on that. But that, at least in the short term, there are no plans for Wealth Enhancement Group to have a public offering.
1: Well, Bruce, I'm glad I could be here with you and Peg for this TMZ moment. You know you're getting big when rumors are swirling uh, about you. All right. Text line, we have just a few more minutes, folks. Get your questions in, 651-989-9226. And as you can see, they handle all types of questions. This person says, can HSA be used to pay for assisted living?
2: Ah, Peg?
3: Yeah, I I love that question because one of the things we didn't address when we were talking about the health savings accounts is that, Bruce, you had mentioned, you know, consideration of should you do an HSA or should you contribute to an IRA? Well, at 65 or older, you actually have a choice. You can take your health savings account and you can pull the money out as if it were an IRA, but then it would be taxable. So then it's actually the features and benefits of a deferred IRA. Um, and so yes, then after 65 years old, you can use that bucket of money for whatever you want to use it for. Um, and if you're asking if assisted living qualifies as a medical expense, um, I'm not, I'm not actually confident to answer that. I think it really depends on what within that assisted living, what are you using the money for? So if it's for medication or something like that, but if it's your monthly
2: fee for assisted living,
3: then I highly doubt it would qualify.
2: Yeah, I think that's right, Peg. And, and therein lies the tricky part. So when we talk about tax-free withdrawal from the health savings account, and I always say for qualifying healthcare expenses, there's the tricky part. What is qualifying and what is not? And most health care expenses that you might think of an operation, a hospital stay, drugs, and so forth those would all be covered, but then you get into areas like the like the person 's question assisted living uh, costs, or I think sometimes people ask us, can I use it to pay a long term care premium and and those uh, long term care premium is not a qualifying health care expense so what is or is not qualifying, if you gave me a list, I couldn't tell you all of them off the top of my head, but we could certainly uh, do some due diligence and find that out, whatever your particular expense is, whether or not that's a qualifying expense where you can take tax-free withdrawals or not.
1: Alright, here's a good practical question. Should I refinance my home to pay for college?
2: Boy, Peg, I'll let you go first, but that's 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 a tough one. And that's, that's one that we're going to probably hear more and more as, you know, we, and we, th- and, we th- and we've talked about it on this show, the rising costs of education and sending these young 20 something, 20 somethings out in the world saddled with the student loan debt. Um, it's a big deal. So what about using uh, equity in your house to pay for it? Yeah, I, I
3: think it, 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 it's a, it definitely is a resource. It is. We hate to encourage people to take equity out of their home, especially as they get closer to retirement. So what I'm witnessing in my practice is that, uh, my clients in some cases ha- are having to work longer to pay for their children's education. And so if you go refinance your home, and you take some more equity out uh to, to get your children through college, then there's some repercussions for that. And we have to adjust your financial forecast. And then um, we don't necessarily include the equity in your home in a financial forecast because we believe that you're going to uh you know need somewhere to live for the rest of your life. But what we do have to do is alter your cash flow to make those payments uh, for that mortgage payment. And so, Bruce, I, in some cases, I'm going to be, I'm all for it because, you know, if the education for your children, you know, gets them off on the right foot. And it kind of depends, too, on what resources do you have. Uh, so I might answer that differently, Bruce, depending on, you know, how much um extra, if you will, they have, and, and, and make sure that they're fully aware of it's going to alter their retirement goals and dreams.
2: Yeah, I just want to quickly add, um, again, I agree with everything Peg said, and it depends upon, you know, we always look, when we look at debt, you look at what is the cost of the debt? What is the interest rate that you're paying? So if your student, if your child has got, you know, student loans at 6%, and you can borrow against the equity in your home at Three and a half percent—that's a much lower interest rate. And so, from that standpoint, it makes economic sense. Additionally, you might be able to deduct the interest on the on the mortgage or on the loan against your house, where you're probably not going to be able to de- to deduct the interest on the student loan. So, it might again, like Peg said, it certainly might make sense in certain circumstances. Peg, the other one that comes up for me is I've got parents that wanted their kids to pay for their own education. Either they couldn't help them or they chose not to help them because they wanted the kid to, quote, have skin in the game, which is totally reasonable, totally understandable. But now the kids are sitting there saddled with this student loan debt, and mom and dad want to help, but they don't want to just give them the money. That defeated the purpose of taking responsibility for your education and having skin in the game. So there what I've recommended before is what we call an intra-family loan, Where mom and dad have money in the bank earning, as we talked about earlier, almost 0%, and the kid is financing debt at six, mom and dad maybe take over the loan, charge their child or the student 3% or 2%. Earning two or three is a lot better than almost zero. So it's good for mom and dad. They're earning a higher interest rate than they would on their savings, and the student is paying a much lower interest rate to pay back the loan to mom and dad. So there's ways to get creative to make this debt more efficient. And, yes, home equity sometimes might be a solution to the problem.
1: All right, Peg and Bruce, let's try to get through these final texts in our last couple minutes. This listener says, I am 70 years old, a widow with a network over $1 million. Can I start giving money to my two children?
2: Great question. Peg?
3: yeah gifting you can gift fifteen thousand per year without having to fill out any forms uh, for estate tax reasons. Uh, right now, we can each die with eleven million seven federal and if you live in the state of Minnesota, you can die with three million individually. If indeed you want to gift more than fifteen thousand to each uh, person, you can give it to your neighbor, you can give it to your uh, uncle, aunt, anybody. But if you want to give more, then you just have to fill out a form and use some of your unified credit. Uh, what I talked about, the eleven million seven, and fill out the form that you're using more uh, in a particular year. So yes, you can
2: gift. Yeah, and, and, and it can be a, a really effective estate uh, planning strategy. And it's a, you know you're doing it for love and to, and to help someone. And yeah, we encourage that a lot. Big. I also always tell my clients. I know you love your kids and you want to give to them, but you're my client and I have to protect you. I don't want you to give too much so you don't have the lifestyle that you want.
1: All right. This person says, I have excess funds in my IRA. Are QCD a good method for making donations to charities? They're 71 years
2: old. Take. Hey, can you do this in 30 seconds?
3: Yeah, QCDs are if you uh, have a required mandatory distribution or if you're 70 and a half, you can pull money out of your IRA, give it directly to charity, charity, and then have that deduction on the front page of your return.
1: All right, lots of great, lots of great questions today, Peg and Bruce, and fabulous answers. You can email Peg and Bruce during the week. Your money at wealthenhancement.com. You can leave them a message on their phone line 6 advice. And then, of course, we hope you're back with us and next Sunday, right here, same time, same place for more great questions. And uh, it has been just wonderful being with you this morning, Peg and Bruce. I hope you have a great, healthy week and uh, enjoy the sunshine, which looks like it's trying to come out.
2: Thank you. Thanks for
1: All right. Make it a great week, everyone. We'll catch you next Sunday.
0: The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey, Inc.